1: Welcome one, welcome all, and we really do mean all. It is the newest episode on both the Blogging the Boys and Bleeding Green Nation podcast feeds, the NFC East mixtape. The NFC East is the only division that everyone cares about, certainly the only division that the NFL cares about, as we all know. I am RJ Ochoa, Manager, Editor-in-Chief over at Blogging the Boys. He is Brandon Lee Gowden, Manager, Editor-in-Chief, Troll Extraordinaire at Bleeding Green Nation. BLG, I'm super pumped about this. We've been talking about doing this for a while. But we're here, uh, I think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, the first SB Nation show to simultaneously exist in two different universes.
0: I'm pretty sure, at least full time. Maybe there's been an episode here or there, but this is the most ambitious crossover event of forever, some people are saying, RJ. So really excited to be here with you. I have a platform now to troll Cowboys fans. Love that. Um, I know a lot of Eagles fans want to hear you as we've been talking or as you've been talking about, as you've been seeing. And uh, I think this is a great place for you to finally one day admit you're an Eagles fan because that's obviously why you wanted to be on the Bleeding Your Nation podcast feed.
1: So uh, this is a really unique show. Um, and two unique people, obviously uh, one particularly unique person, and um, and and so what it is, we're talking to both Blogging the Boys listeners and Bleeding Green Nation listeners, and obviously you hear BLG all the time on BGN properties, and you hear me all the time on BTB properties. BLG and I both also host shows on the SB Nation NFL show feed, which is its own separate podcast feed. Uh, this isn't appearing there, uh, but if if you like, you know, our thoughts on the NFL, we certainly encourage you to subscribe, uh, rate and review, you know, over at the SB Nation NFL Podcast, but this is for Cowboys and Eagles fans specifically because BLG, you know, in our time on the SB Nation NFL show, which is kind of where the idea for this was, was first born, um, we end up talking about the Cowboys and Eagles a lot. So we finally figured... Well, let's just do that on a permanent basis. Let's do that on a weekly basis. And luckily for us, we had some platforms that made sense to do that.
0: And we're going to, you know, talk about all of the teams in the NFC East too. So we want to get the big blue perspective, big blue view perspective in here Uh, when we're talking about the Giants sometimes at Valentine, we'll get the Hogshaven guys in here sometimes when, you know, the Washington football team, uh, we need some extra insight on them. So uh, looking forward to the guests that we'll have on this show, but we're the mainstays here because obviously Eagles and Cowboys only teams that matter the most really in the NFC East.
1: Really the NFL as a whole. Um, but yeah, we're about to get into discussion on the current state of the NFC East or um, now eight days away from the NFL draft. Very exciting times and a very particularly exciting time in the division because the Cowboys giants and Eagles pick back to back to back from 10 through 12, at least as of now. Um, but BLG, You know, I've been on the BGN shows from time to time. You've been on the BTB shows from time to time. But we're going to be doing this every week. You'll hear this every Wednesday on both the BTB and BGN podcast feeds. So for all the BTB people who don't totally know who Brandon Lee Gowton is, give us kind of a 101 uh, on who you are so that everyone can get to know you before they start to hate you.
0: Yeah, well, you know, look, I've been doing this. All my life now, it feels like. Really, I've been running Bleeding Green Nation since 2013. Uh, same thing for the both the website and the podcast. Really been involved in that for forever now. So it's been a long time. It's going on uh, eight years here. This will be that long. So I uh, have a lot of fun trolling Cowboys fans along the way. Some of my probably the my most favorite articles I've ever done for VGN are just ones where like I just get to really... Uh, try to twist the knife in the side of Cowboy fans, like uh, when Dak Prescott, a lot of people, a lot of Cowboy fans, were calling for him to be benched after the Thanksgiving game, was it in 2018, when they lost to the Chargers? That was 17. Okay, 17 then.
1: Yeah, oh, the Eagles Super Bowl year. Oh, that's right. How could I forget that? That was two weeks after the Eagles blasted them on Sunday Night Football, which at the time uh, was the worst loss they had ever sustained at AT&T Stadium, a feat they matched this past season, and uh, incidentally, ironically, poetically, that particular Sunday night football contest that the Eagles won was the night that Jerry Jones was honored at halftime for being <laughs> a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
0: But uh, yeah, you know, that's me. I mean, Eagle fans already know you a little bit, RJ. They, they basically probably wanted you on this feed. They're clamoring mm. for you in the in the reviews on the SB Nation NFL show.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, we always, BLG and I are always begging for ratings and reviews on all of the podcast feeds. Um, so please, wherever you're listening, blogging the boys, bleeding Grenation, subscribe to the feed, leave a rating, write a review, a comment, a question, whatever the case may be. Uh, and if you can leave a rating, write a review on the SB Nation NFL show as well. We do get a lot of reviews over there, BLG, and no big deal. Um, and like, you tell me if I'm putting words in Eagles fans mouths, but I am, and I think this is amazing, every Eagles fan's favorite Cowboys fan. That's a really impressive thing to become, I think.
0: I think it's because though like secretly like you don't know it yet it's kind of like a sleeper cell thing. It's like I have like the the magic words that are kind of just gonna activate you, I guess like uh Bucky, you know winter soldier kind of thing mm. where like all of a sudden like you're just gonna be wearing like a Brian's Dawkins jersey and you're not even gonna know it. you're gonna like wake up one morning and be like, what happened and uh yeah, so I think that definitely exists within you that's why Eagle Sands like you so much uh cowboy fans are not gonna like me, but that's okay, I can be the villain. it's fine.
1: So I maintain, and I think I curried a lot of favor with Eagles fans, um, following the Eagles Super Bowl win when I did some, you know, appearances in different Eagles platforms and whatnot. Um, and, and BJN radio at the time, um, as well. I I told a lot of Eagles fans, I said, tell everybody you won the Super Bowl, like rub it in Cowboys fans' faces. Like that, like we deserve that. Like, that's the whole reason you do this. That's the whole reason you root. Like that's that's the main thing. And so like Um, I I stand by that. Like, I think it's it's a really cool thing to like completely annoy the fan base that hates you with something like winning a Super Bowl. Um, so congratulations to Eagles fans for still living in the past, something that you've been able to tell Cowboys fans for a long time. Uh well, I mean, like I
0: I just want to bring up it's been 25 years since the Cowboys have made an NFC championship. Yeah, but like uh, we've
1: accepted that. Like that's that's the reality here. And and we've like, you know. You can't hurt us with that anymore. Like it's you know, you're learning the path of this. Uh so you know, we're here if you need some therapy. Um, I um, you know, I've been in this role at BTB uh almost for three years this June will mark three years Um, and so we've done some cool stuff um, in that time we've certainly revamped the podcast network Uh, we've done a lot of work specifically as of lately to our YouTube channel over at blogging the voice so anybody who wants to watch us do some different stuff we do sometimes uh, pull the audio from those shows and put them here on the podcast feed but uh, we do a lot of live streams we're working on that we've really uh, put a strong emphasis on our social media presence certainly Uh, I saw you know it it was a while ago but BGN crossed 100,000 you know Twitter followers. past season so well done by you um and on the subject by the way of just kind of adoring and heaping praises on blogging the boys and bleeding green nation bgn is in a contest right now so blg this is your opportunity to beg for votes because let's be frank you need to win Heated battle. I mean, I don't even know I should be promoting this here because
0: all the Cowboys fans are going to vote against me. But look, I think you would agree that a BGN win is ultimately good because, look, you're on this podcast feed now and you want to see this Mm. feed get attention and thrive. You want to see SB Nation as a whole thrive. Look, we're on the same team, ultimately, as much as we might be rivals in many ways. uh, We're ultimately at some level on the same team here. And uh, so we need to win this vote. So you can, you can do that by going to bleedinggreennation.com. I have a post up there with all the different ways you can vote for BGN in the final of this
1: championship bracket. So uh, go check that out. If you're interested. Mm, Very well said Um, BLG actually um, established who he and I are in like classic rivalries. Like you had a lot of options to choose from Brandon, Um, you know, as as you were going to, you were going to coin something for you and I, you had the moment, like whatever you said many moons ago, about who you and I are was going to stick forever. You chose the Batman and the Joker. Um, and we have since defined that I'm Batman and you're the Joker, which I think in a lot of ways describes Cowboys and Eagles fans as a whole. Um, so, you know, congratulations to um, to Cowboys fans. You are Batman. That's, that's ultimately what matters here. I'm Batman, you just said? No, every Cowboys fan is Batman and every Eagles fan is the Joker. Um, so mm. good, good for you. Anyway. I'll take it. <laughs> uh okay, let's actually get started. That's that um you can, you know, obviously we're gonna be here every week, obviously doing this, so we're pumped about that. But uh we will start, Brandon, with the 2021 NFC East Champions, uh the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, uh the NFL draft is coming up and we're all very excited. Uh this past Monday, Stephen Jones, he of uh a particular amount of fame, noted on the flagship station of the Dallas Cowboys 1053 the fan that they are not opposed to trading back, which is something a lot of teams say. Uh, this time of year. Teams that aren't in the top three basically this year. Um, The Cowboys hold the 10th overall pick. I don't know if you know this BLG or a random Eagles fan but the 10th overall pick has been traded in three of the last six drafts on the day of the NFL draft. And in Mm. each of those particular instances, there wasn't a lot of compensation that was generally had. Um, Last week in Mel Kuyper's mock draft, he had the Cowboys moving back from 10 to 15 uh, with the new England Patriots. And he had them picking up new England's 2022 first round pick. And that just isn't, going to happen the only time in these three hypotheticals well they're not hypotheticals they actually happen uh that somebody got a future first round pick was in 2017 when the buffalo bills moved all the way back to 27 with the kansas city chiefs the chiefs end up taking ended up taking patrick mahomes so there's you know there's an l in that capacity uh but i mean a, a drop from 10 to 17 necessitates certainly um you know a future first round pick but in 2018, the then Oakland Raiders moved back to 15. So kind of like Dallas would be moving with, say, New England this year. Uh, with Arizona, they jumped up to get Josh Rosen. No first-round pick involved there. In 2019, the Denver Broncos moved back from 10 to 20 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's where the Bears sit this year. So maybe uh, maybe they're not totally sold on Andy Dalton. Um, and they did not pick up a first-round pick either. So I don't know how anybody believes that the Cowboys are going to pick up a first-round pick unless they drop back significantly. Uh, but do you think they're going to trade back, or do you think, think they, they should, should trade back?
0: Well, yeah, I was going to say I don't think they should. I think should, I'm a look. I want to stay where I am, and I want to get a premium talent, and I think the Cowboys can do that. Now, again, if you're talking like Godfather offer here, then sure, then you're thinking about it. Like if you're getting, you know, it, it's the teams I constantly bring up: the Patriots of fifteen, the uh, Washington. A, 19 bears at 20. If you're getting a huge offer if Matt Jones is still on the board, if Justin Fields somehow is still on the board that I'm listening. But I think where the Cowboys are, especially Because, I mean, you have your quarterback in place with Dak. You just signed into a big extension. Like, this is it. This is your winning window. Like, go win now. Like, you're not trying – you're not where the Eagles are where you're trying to, like, rebuild or anything. Like, this is where you're set up to win. You have this offensive talent in their prime. I don't know how long you're even going to be able to keep all that in terms of, like, paying guys and those guys still being good and not getting washed, like Zeke, at some point. So I feel like you have to stay at 10 there. And also, I feel like you have to go in the direction, uh, depending on who's on the board – of offensive line rather than defense because the Cowboys aren't winning with their defense. Like that's not how that's not like the the thing that makes them special when they've been at their best. It's because their offense has been better than anyone's. And I think bringing Dan Quinn in, I think just simple reversion to the mean the the defense is going to get better. I would work on getting that offensive line,
1: right? I think there's a sector of Cowboys fans who, who still believe that Kyle Pitts will be there at 10. And I don't think that's likely, but if he is, you do it and you figure it out just because he's the elite talent. But if either tackle is there, I don't think that's a bad way to spin the pick. Um, Obviously, I think like right now, general consensus, if we we opened up, I say this a lot, but if we opened up like the bag of all the mock drafts in the universe and we stuck our hand in and pulled it out, it's Patrick Sertan. That's who everybody has going to the Cowboys. And if they walk away with him, that's totally fine too um I I'm uh, like one percent concerned 99 percent hyped about just like completely putting a collegiate secondary pair together in the NFL like I've just never seen that and so I kind of want to see it but it it does feel like there's that one percent like it's a disaster possibility um so it is what it is with with pairing certain with with Trayvon Diggs but ultimately that's probably where I lean I, I think that for them to trade back one of the tackles Sertan and JC Horn would all have to be on the board. And I don't think they would move further back than like 15 in that mm-hmm. Mel Kuiper mock. They did still walk away with JC Horn. So they, they got it in that particular one, a future first and JC Horn, which isn't possible. But still, I mean, that's that's the only way this works out. Um, who's who's your least favorite, you know, player to end up on the Cowboys as an Eagles fan?
0: I mean, Pitts would be pretty scary if that, if that happened, if you figured, figured out. But I, I don't think he's going to be there. I mean, I think he goes as high as four, and I think, you know, the Dolphins, obviously, at stakes are a threat. I just, I can't see him getting all the way down right. to 10. Um, I think it would be offensive line, not because that's, like, the scary immediate pick, but I think back to the Cowboys, kind of, like, when I think they were, like, we're at drafting and like Jerry was kind of more running the show and you could always tell like if it was like a Jerry pick because it was like going for the flash instead of the actual smart thing I feel like there was like a shift there at some point I don't know exactly when that was I guess Cowboys fans feel it was like when uh uh Steven started to have more power and I guess uh McClay Will,
1: Will McClay is the goat yeah
0: Will sure. McClay um but I feel like it was a, there was a point, and I think maybe it's kind of starting around where that Travis Frederick was drafted, and it was like the Cowboys instead of doing like the flashy thing, they were doing the smart thing, and that was building through the trenches. and And I think continuing to do that would be the smart thing. I mean, your offensive line, like, there's some there's some big question marks there in Dallas. You know, with with Tyron coming off of injury, with Collins coming off of injury, and everything, like, there's spots to be figured out there. So I think that would be the thing that concerns me, just because it's the smart thing.
1: Yeah, uh, that Travis Frederick pick, by the way, the last time the Cowboys did trade back in the first round, back in 2013, uh, traded back with San Francisco. Um, I'm sure our friend Rob Stets Guerrero was pumped about that particular draft. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah, I mean, Tyron Smith's a question mark. Lyle Collins is a question mark. Zach Martin is no longer like a guarantee for 16 games. I think the, the player that Cowboys fans maybe feel the most confident about for like the long-term future is Tyler B. who the Cowboys got by trading up with the Eagles of all teams last year. But yeah, so I mean, you're looking at a at a world. Do you know that like I'm not at all trying to bag on Tyron Smith? Dak Prescott has never had Tyron for all 16 games. Well, I guess now 17, but still like he has never had Tyron Smith for a full season. Never. Like he's generally played 13 games, 13 games, 13 games. Obviously last season missed a ton of time, but um you you've, you've got to start planning for that future. And if one of the tackles falls, I think that's a wise pick. Um I don't think that either of us thinks that this team's going to be picking it, you know, as high as the top 10 next year or for some time. Um so, you know, however they go, if they go tackle, they go corner. I think it's a win. Um, I thought we would address these quickly. Uh, I know you and the aforementioned Rob Statscarrer did talk about uh, DraftKings' uh, projected win totals for each team on a recent episode of the Oddcast on the Espanation NFL show. But our friends at Bet Online uh, released theirs on Monday. They have the Cowboys at 9.5. I wrote about this on Tuesday at the site. Um, I think the over is pretty solid here, which is why, again, I don't think they're a top 10 team in terms of the draft order next year. Yeah,
0: they have one of the easiest schedules, right? I mean, because... Basically, the NFC East does. I know the Eagles have, I think, like the easiest, depending on, you know, what metric you're going by, strength of schedule, or if you want to, you know, factor in the, uh, the wind over under total projections and go by that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think Dallas obviously poised to rebound the offensive tackles, like where you get good offensive linemen typically is at the beginning of the draft, as mm-hmm. more so than like other positions. Like that's those guys. They're also like in general the least, uh, bust, like they're the the most bust proof, I guess is the way to to Mm. put it Uh, i think that's the smart way to go and if you're talking about a trade down as when you were talking there kind of the idea that popped in my head if you're moving down just a couple spots you could get like an elijah vera tucker uh or 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 slater depending on like there's guys there i think who are going to be appropriate values in the small trade down so uh yeah i think you know you focus on the offensive line you make sure that's good i think it's so natural for cowboys fans to be worried about the defense coming off of last year and how bad it was but again like the 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 defensive coordinator hire there last year was like pathetic and so bad and i'm pretty sure getting dan quinn in there who i'm not even like convinced is an amazing defensive coordinator but i think is like a real nfl option at defensive coordinator (laughs) that i think that helps so and again i just think um you don't need the defense to be elite all of a sudden you just gotta have it just needs to be more respectable
1: yeah it's like um Have you ever seen like those TikToks where it's like, oh, when you would stay at your friend's house when you were like a kid and like it has like one person like sleeping on the floor, like using like a newspaper as a blanket just because like the friend didn't give them a blanket for the like sleepover or whatever. And so it's like going it's like, well, it's going from that to like sleeping in your bed. You know what I mean? It's like literally going from the bare floor to just a bed. Uh, It's like an automatic improvement in that capacity. Um, So, okay, so you said the over you have the Cowboys winning 10 games is basically what you said, Um, you know. Sure. Fine. Uh, let's move on to the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, uh, the Eagles' projected win total. Well, let's start there. Is it six and a half? I think I'm taking the over on that. That's super low. Like I, I don't, I don't think they're going to like implode that way in 2021.
0: Yeah, I mean, the case is to be made when you look at their history that they kind of do find ways to bounce back, and because of the schedule is so easy, I think you can point to things where the over looks good. You can also point to like you know, first year, new head coach. There's a new energy. Right. Uh, Injury regression. Injury. Well, I mean, I'll believe that one when I see it in theory. Yes, (laughs) you're right. But like in actuality, then we'll see. But I kind of just keep coming back to there's such a negative vibe around this team. And maybe I'm like putting too much into that. And that's a lot of it (laughs) is coming from me or I'm contributing to that. But I just I don't love the vibe around this team. Um, I think the front office is kind of out of touch with the fan base. You saw Phillies fans, RJ. Uh, I saw
1: yeah on Monday night.
0: <laughs> on Monday night chanting fire howie. I I don't think the team like necessarily like realizes, you know, just how angry everyone is. So, I mean if this team gets off to a slow start, the link is just going to be like wild, insane uh coming off of, you know, a year where fans weren't really allowed to go to games or at least not in full force. So, uh i the the biggest thing i guess it comes down to me is i think jalen hurts who i have hopes for i'm not going to write the i'm not saying like i'm down on him but to me there exists a very real possibility he is like one of the very worst starting quarterbacks in the nfl last year i mean people like want to say oh that that's not going to happen like jimmy kemsky uh my my partner in crime on bgn radio uh was like no that's not going to happen well like that happened to Carson Wentz last year. Carson Wentz, in theory, is better than like Jalen Hurts, you know, on the whole. Not last year, but on the whole. So I think Hurts' floor is what scares me there, and I think they could be. I think they could be one of the very worst teams in the NFL if that scenario
1: emerges. It's possible, and I I certainly uh, see like it's it's no longer fun to troll BLG because he's so defeated. I know. I mean, he he truly is like the Eeyore of uh, of Eagles Media at this point, um, and and that's okay. Like you reach that point where they've just beaten you down, um, but I mean, which which only like kind of like scratches the surface on what like Carson Wentz much must have experienced as like a person. You know what I mean? Like sure. just uh a, like complete and total exhaustion. But um I still, dude, like. So they'll win three games in the NFC East, right? Like, they'll sweep the Giants. What's your ridiculous stat about, like, how many times have the Giants beaten the Eagles in the last, like, 100 years or whatever? They've only won, like, once in the last, like, 10 years, right? Something ridiculous like that?
0: I lost track of it because the Eagles <laughs> lost to the Giants last year right, uh, right, after right. the bye, And I just, like, gave up on the stats. I just didn't care about it anymore. But um, generally but it was,
1: speaking, they don't lose to the Giants.
0: Yeah, it was, like, four... Uh, they were like like twenty one and four or something. It was crazy, you know. They 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 rarely lose to the Giants. Correct.
1: Okay, so they'll sweep the Giants. Let's say they split with Washington, which is that's they're such a wild card team. Um, they get Detroit with Jared Goff. Okay, cool. Um, uh, they get Atlanta, which is that could go either way. I think if any team experiences the like first year nas head coach boost, it's Atlanta, kind of like. At least I thought the Cowboys would last year with Mike McCarthy before everything broke. Um, the Philly, uh, the Eagles get San Francisco, which could go again. I don't know how we're now talking about stats so much, but like Stats thinks the Niners are winning the Super Bowl. I think they could be a complete disaster. Um, so you get that their um, their AFC East team they're playing is the Jets. I mean, mm. so like I like. You could very how many rookie quarterbacks is this team gonna play? I mean, you know, you could very easily get to six, seven wins. That's like I don't think the over is inconceivable here. Um, but a lot of that depends on who they take in the first round, obviously. Uh there are reports, BLG, that the Dolphins are reportedly taking calls about trading out of pick number six, which they acquired from the Eagles. Can you refresh us on what the Eagles got from Miami to move back from six to twelve?
0: Yeah, so, you know, they made the big move, uh, what, like, late March here. They So, originally, obviously, you know, it started with the uh, trade with the Dolphins moving down from number three to the 49ers going up from 12. Right. And then quickly after that, it was the Eagles who kind of got in there to almost make it a three-way trade where the Eagles moved down to 12. Uh, they pick up, so the, the 49ers uh, 2021 fourth-round pick. Which basically they so let me simplify this. They moved up 36 spots on day three, and also got the Dolphins' 20 22 first round pick. So next year's first round pick, uh,
1: which okay. I think is a wide range of outcomes. <laughs> sure. So all that being said, if Miami picks up more for pick number six somehow, yeah. some way, then Philly did. What is what is that? How like what is that even egg on Howie Roseman's face? Like, cause if I was you, I would already be panicked that they're taking calls because the possibility now exists. Yeah. I mean,
0: that's a huge, (laughs) that's a huge concern. I, back when the trade happened, one of the biggest criticisms of the move was why now, like, why, like, not to say there's no sense in it, but that was like one of the biggest, like things that could go wrong with that trade is like, you don't know. And that can work both ways, by the way. It could be like you made this deal now and that was maximum value. But it also could be like you made this deal now and all of a sudden now with more information kind of being gathered and, and teams kind of crystallizing their plans more. Uh, it could be a situation where you have one of those teams I mentioned earlier who could move up from you know, 15, 19 or 20 all the way up to six and like give you this godfather offer. And it could be more than, you know, significantly more than what the Eagles got to move down. Look, I think the Eagles, the value they got and moving down was fine. So I think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be hard for that deal to kind of like totally pale in comparison, make it look like a joke. But still, if it's like significantly less of a deal, then yeah, it doesn't look good.
1: I think. I think where it truly backfires is so the, the 2022 first round pick that Philly picked up is Miami's, right? Cause they, they own San Francisco's by virtue of the original trade, the one that was like five minutes before. Um, so, where I think it, it will look stupid, and where like every BGN person will be pissed, is say Miami picks up New England's 2022 first round pick, or Chicago's, or Washington's, or whatever, and that pick is higher or a top five pick or whatever than Miami's, because also like theoretically, whatever capital Miami gains in an effort to move, you know, back in this particular hypothetical, hinders what is the first round pick that the Eagles own that, that belongs to Miami? You know, it's like, if it makes them better this year, you know, that hurts the Eagles first round pick that they own. That's Miami's. And so um, that, w- I, and like, we talked so much about this quarterbacks are going one, two, three, The quarterback could go fourth overall, whether to Atlanta or somebody else. I don't think – we talked about this on Monday, Football Monday, on this page, NFL show. I don't think Atlanta's taking the quarterback, but maybe somebody else will. So, like – and if somebody else does, now the fifth quarterback is there. Cincinnati's not moving because they – if anybody needs a tackle, it's Cincinnati. And so now you're there. You're the team that can truly, like, swing everything. And maybe Miami knew that. Like, maybe Miami really knew – that Atlanta was going to jump out or take a quarterback themselves and knew that they held the true or that, that six was the true pivot point in that sense.
0: Yeah. And that's where it would look bad. That's what happened. (laughs) I, I thinking about it, like, I don't know that necessarily Eagles made a bad decision in betting like because if you're going to get a team's you know first round pick the next year, you're obviously kind of betting on them being bad to some extent and not to the point of, you know, they're probably going to be picking number one overall because that kind of team isn't going to be giving up their pick. And I think it's reasonable to say the Dolphins were, you know, a team of those group that you mentioned, like the Patriots or washington like i don't think any of those teams are totally going to bottom out just because you know washington's strong defense Bears strong defense um and me- mediocre enough quarterback the red rifle Andy dalton to probably you know win a couple games um and then the patriots obviously i know you're high on them i'm not as, as high on them but i i think the the volatility of Tua is something like that's mm. reasonable to bet on because there's a chance like he's just not good at all, man. And then now they have Jacoby preset, th- preset there. So that will, I-, I think, in theory, raise their floor again from being like the worst team kind of bad or even really top five kind of bad. But I think it can like drop them like top 10-ish, maybe top 12-ish kind of bad. So I think it's a reasonable bet to make on the team. But I get what you're saying in terms of like, yeah, that could be the pivot point. I, I find it hard to believe like that, how he would misread it that poorly. Cause like, that's not what he's bad at. Like he's not bad at like, he's not like a total doofus. Like who doesn't know what's going on. And like, he's good at understanding value. He's good at having like a pulse on the league. He has relationships. That's the, that's the stuff he's good at. Not good at when it comes to kind of managing relationship in his own building, which is why you're seeing this article about dysfunction within the Eagles. And also obviously just not good when it comes to the draft and not just like, not just like he's had bad luck because no one's like really good at the draft in theory because there's a lot of luck and stuff involved. But they've made bad processes. There, there's been bad processes that have been resulted or that have resulted in bad picks made. So, uh, so it would kind of surprise me if he, he totally like just misread this and didn't know what was going on.
1: Howie, to me, seems like, you know how some teachers or professors uh, let you make a cheat sheet for a test, right? And then so you have, like, people who, like, they're, like, scribbling the, like, t- like it has to be handwritten, and so, like, they're, like, getting all these, like, yeah, tiny little on notes on it. Right. And so, like, Howie, like, you know, some, some students walk in, and, like, they've just got, like, one sheet or whatever, and it's got, like, a couple little scribbles or whatever. Howie is, like, he walks in with, like, Sean McDonough's play sheet on when he was on Monday night football. Like it's like a poster board sized and he's got like a whole like book written on there and different formulas and stuff like that. And then he just like completely botches the test because that's just who he is, but he's really great at prepping the sheet. And maybe that's enough for Jeff Lurie to keep him around. Like he really, maybe Jeff Lurie frames the sheets, like puts them on the wall next to the Carson Wentz fathead. I don't know. Uh, But I mean, I'm rooting for this at this point for Miami to trade out (laughs) Uh, just because like the moment uh, of panic for like the moment that that flashes right like the graphic you know Miami has traded the pick like until you see the compensation, it will be the longest like 15 seconds of your life. of course.
0: um <laughs> it's terrifying just the, <laughs> just even seeing the report last night like from uh, rap sheet when it came out, I was like, oh my god, like they're gonna they're gonna trade like the or the dolphins are gonna trade and get like more or whatever although kind of like what you touched on earlier would be kind of weird like what if that hurts them? what if that hurts the dolphins? Like, what if like they could have gotten, let's say, let's say Kyle Pitts is still on the board there. Uh, and yeah, like they, just, that's
1: why I love the trade. Cause he's not going to Philly at this point.
0: That's true for you. Um, but, but like, let's say the dolphins like pass on him and I don't think they would, but let's say they do. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, he turns out to be a beast in his rookie season. And then, you know, you're the dolphins. Maybe you got one over on the Eagles in terms of getting better value, but then like, you missed out on a player you could have had and now you're a worse team because of it. And now you're worse next year. And now that the first round pick you're going to give to the Eagles in 2022, not that like one player makes, you know, a whole difference, mm-hmm. but it could make like, a little bit of a difference.
1: I think we both agree that Miami let's, let's say Atlanta trades out of four. Miami is the most logical spot for Kyle Pitts. Certainly the like Florida connection is there, whatever. Uh, but if they pass, I mean, Detroit is super hard to predict. And so is Carolina in some senses, but um, it would be hilarious if, I mean, because right now we both agree that's the most logical spot. If Miami passing on him is what leads to him falling to 10. And so, like, if mm. you're if you're an oh, Eagles no. fan, like, you would have otherwise been able to not only have prohibited Kyle Pitts from ending up in Dallas, but you would have been able to have had him on your team, but by moving, you indirectly, you know, facilitated him ending up on the Cowboys. That would be hilarious. But uh, just, just one year after CeeDee Lamb, too. I mean, that'd be awesome. OK, let's talk about the NFC East team that will face the Miami Dolphins. So you'll be rooting for them uh, this year as much as you don't want to. The New York Football Giants, BLG, um, Jason McCordy visited them last week um, on a scale of one to ten, with ten beating a, a Coheed and Cambria concert and one being um, like any episode of anything on PBS. How excited are you by this move? Uh, I am a zero. <laughs> okay. Uh, you don't, you're not at all fearful of Jason McCordy with the New York Giants.
0: I mean, they're, they're already set a corner, right? I mean, on the outside, they have a Dory, they have Bradbury. Right. I think that's actually, and that,
1: be- that was a great move. Honestly. Yeah.
0: I, I think that's going to be, that could honestly be the league's best starting cornerback tandem. Right. Sure. Like, it's, it's in the conversation for it. Um, you know, we'll see how the pass rush goes and how that affects that and whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, the Giants kind of don't have a lot of juice going on for them right now, I think, is the, is the takeaway based on how that's the big thing. Um, although, you did see something before the show.
1: I did. Uh, so we're recording on Tuesday uh, for full transparency here about lunchtime on Tuesday. And uh, Ian Rappaport tweeted, get pumped about this, BLG. I'm just going to read his tweet verbatim. The Giants, hashtag Giants, are slated to pick number 11 in the NFL draft, and trading back is already something they are internally <laughs> considering, I'm told. The spot, will or that spot, will have real value, dot, dot, dot. How rare would a trade down be? GM Dave Gettleman has never traded down in the first round in eight drafts as a general manager. Oh, my.
0: Yeah, so it's not going to happen. This rumor sucks because it's not true. It's obviously, oh, it it could be the first time. No, it's not going to be the first time because it's, guess what? It's never happened and he just doesn't do it. RJ, you can't even trade down in like the draft networks, mock draft simulator when you're the Giants because they don't trade down. Like the the simulator won't even allow you to do it because it knows Mm -hmm. it's impossible. So Mm -hmm. this is silly. This is all for nothing. The Giants are absolutely going to stay there and I'm guessing they're probably going to take a lineman uh either side of the ball you know because it's dave gettleman and he's into the hog mollies and whatnot so yeah.
1: elijah vera tucker is a new york giant like you can almost just kind of lock it up right now totally
0: of course yeah and they need they need help in their offensive line by the way still which kind of makes me like uh feel a little uh bearish i guess the word would be uh not chicago bearish not your dog bear ish but just like <laughs> not feeling good about the giants because oh, bullish. You know, they added, <laughs> bullish. <laughs> bullish is the word <laughs> no, bullish is like when you're you're excited about them, right?
1: I thought bearish, bullish I bullish is like you're like apprehensive about it. I've never even heard the bearish word bearish before. Maybe, no, that's, a, maybe is, that's a maybe that's a wawa thing. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't know how that goes
0: I have to google this right now. Bullish is like when you're like uh I'm excited about this thing or I'm like I'm high on this thing.
1: I'm pretty certain it's when you're like apprehensive or you're like on defense about something.
0: You are, BLG well, is google, googling it as we speak. Google says in uh the stock market characterized by rising share prices so the market was bullish so that's rising whereas bearish mm. let me look this up here uh characterized by associated with falling share prices so but now this is the stock market don't you want to sell
1: um so Hot. so this this is a um an article for smart asset the um the, the title of this article again from 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 Smart Asset written by Eric Reed, um, who was actually to go full circle, the player that the 49ers traded up with the Cowboys in the Travis Frederick draft to take. Uh, is that correct? Off the top of my head, 2013. Was it Eric Reed? Um, I think it was, but that was R-E-I-D. I don't know if you want to look that up, BLG. Uh, this is R-E-E-D. He wrote this on March 16th, 2021. So very recent. Uh, what does it mean to be bullish a bullish investor also known as a bull believes that the price of one or more securities will rise uh, a bull market conveys a related meaning in it blah 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 where the term <laughs> bullish came from uh, the term bull originally referred to speculative purchases rather than general optimism about prices and trend lines so maybe I you know understood the previous meeting uh what does it mean to be bearish a bearish investor also known as a bear is one who believes prices will go down so Honestly, we're both right here, uh, is what I. No, think. no, no, no. I am right here.
0: We're I am both right here. am are both I'm looking at merriamwebster.com, RJ, and bet pessimistic is listed as a synonym for bearish. So I am bearish. I am pessimistic about the Giants uh, when I see their offensive line, unless they get some help for it.
1: Well, it was Eric Reed. I just double-checked uh, that the 49ers traded up to take with the 18th overall pick in 2013. So everything went full circle. I agree. Um, I agree mainly that the Giants have no juice, and that stems from Daniel Jones, and who I know is your favorite quarterback to bag on. Um, cool. He took his receivers to California to work out. Imagine having to go to California instead of just going to your backyard. Honestly. I mean, the, I just can't imagine any team that would have to deal with this. I mean, my quarterback just, you know, hits guys up, group text, come on over, I'll Uber eat some food, we'll be in the backyard on my awesome football field because now I'm a billionaire, whatever, and let's party. Um, I I was upset that Adore Jackson, who, by the way, friend of the Espionation NFL show, by the way, um, Ended up there. That sucked a lot. Um, yeah. I, I do, th- the, to go back to the Jason McCourty thing for a second, I don't know if in your mind you view this, like I kind of view the Giants as like every team is this for somebody else, but they're like the team where like Patriots go to die. You know what I mean? Like like the Giants and the Titans are kind of places where like Patriots who kind of ran their course in New England go and fizzle out and just get paid and then get cut before their contract's up. Like in my mind, I think of Steven Ridley for some reason. Um, but like that's, that's who the Giants are.
0: The Giants are a team that really is like make it or break it with Daniel Jones, with Dave Gettleman. Like this is their year to do something. Jason Garrett. I mean, it's not their year to like win the Super Bowl, but they have to like make real meaningful progress, probably make the playoffs, I would think, right? At the very least, like they have to. I mean, unless somehow like they won double digit games and didn't make it because all the other teams in the division were just so great, which I don't think is really like an outcome that we have to think is super realistic. Uh, But the Daniel Jones thing is interesting to me because I feel like he has talent. Like I can see something with him as opposed to like Mitchell Trubisky. I never saw it. Like not once, not one time was I ever like, Oh, I see something there. Like if you could just maybe fix this, like I see something with Daniel Jones, like when he's at his very, very best, like, Oh wow, this guy can sling it down the field. He can throw with accuracy, but The fumbles man the fumbles are killer and like having gone through it with carson wentz i just like it doesn't seem like it actually ever gets better it's not something that you can just be like if you well if you just started fumbling less it's just always going to happen so that's probably going to be a deal breaker now maybe he could have a season where it's not as bad as it is in other seasons so maybe that could happen this year and maybe the giants can kind of have this good run again i really like what they did at corner i like adding kenny galladay I don't love the prices they added them, but I but I love I, I like the talent that they added. I think they can take a step forward here this year. I, I, I'm I generally positive about Joe Judge. I think he's like, you know, the best coach they've had in some time. So I uh, feel bar. like the arrow, low bar, very low bar. I feel like the arrow is kind of pointing up on them, but uh, obviously it really depends what they do in the draft too.
1: So BetOnline has their win total at seven. This I feel very comfortable taking the under on uh, personally, wow. but like I'll put it to you this way. Na- name a team in the NFC that you are, and you can't name the Eagles, that you are 100% confident will be worse than the Giants this season. Like, be the, the, worse. the only, and like that you, if you had to bet head to head, like that you are 100% confident will be worse than the Giants. The only one, the only one that I'm comfortable saying, like putting in this box, and it's, I guess a good bit of note for Kenny Galladay is the Lions. That's the only team that I would 1000% mm. take to be worse than the Giants in the whole conference. Anybody else, I could totally see being, if it's just marginally, but being better overall. Well, obviously, you'd put
0: the 49ers down there. That's like a lock. Uh, <laughs> so
1: it's, I, it's, as, as much as I want to troll stats, like I could see the 49ers like winning eight games. Like that, that to he me doesn't look yeah, that, that's true. But and this he's not editing. No yeah, <laughs> he's, he's not editing this show, so we're good. But uh, but I have to be honest. Like I think the Forty ers are better.
0: I think the Panthers could be down there. Um, that's not that's really. a wild
1: card, certainly.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's a fair point, but I don't know. It's hard to say though. I mean, like I can see the Cardinals being down there too if Murray doesn't really just like really just sinks the Saints if like Jameis is starting and like. That's just a disaster. There's disaster potential.
1: Imagine if Daniel Jones takes the Giants to the playoffs before Kyler Murray takes the Cardinals to the playoffs. That would be wild. Um, All things considered from the draft a couple years ago. But whatever. Um, Let's round it out, BLG, because it is the NFC East mixtape. The reigning champions, the Washington football team, I guess we should start with on Monday, Alex Smith- announced his retirement from the NFL after 16 years. um, You slighted him a moment ago, but uh, Mike Nolan was the head coach. They took Alex Smith, the number one overall pick in 2005. No big deal. Um, And um, I mean, like, I find it strange that, and I, I, this is just the way it works, but that like a statement was necessary from Ron Rivera, you know, like, like Washington acting, like they were as big a part of Alex Smith's journey as San Francisco and Kansas city were. And I get it. I mean, like he helped them win a division title, but like, I don't know. I, that, that just was a little bit weird. to me.
0: It is a little strange. Um, I talked about this on the podcast actually today because we, we got really heavy into Alex Smith. So go listen to that on the SB nation NFL show. If you want even more Alex Smith talk with uh, Pete Sweeney and stats, but, uh, I think it's really interesting to think about what happens in the NFC East for this show. Uh, like if Alex Smith doesn't get hurt. I mean, I went back and I kind of had to remind myself that. Oh, do you know,
1: in 20, you're talking in
0: 2018? Yeah. I mean, Washington. So they're they playing. They would have
1: won that division. Totally. Well,
0: yeah, they, they were, so they were up to, or they lost by Houston or to Houston by two points in week 11. You know, maybe if he, Alex Smith doesn't get hurt in that game, they win, but let's say they still lose. I mean, they're still six to four at that point. They only win one more game. They have, like, Mark Sanchez, Josh Johnson starting for them to close the season, like, really bad. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they win the division. Cowboys could be second. That knocks the Eagles, who were the Super Bowl defending champs at the time, out of the playoffs. Like, Nick Foles, the legend of him is still mm. big because he won the Super Bowl. But, like, it's not
1: it's, as big. It doesn't have the, like, the exacerbation of of the Chicago win. Totally.
0: Yeah, because that was, that was part of the Nick Foles magic, that run, too. Because it was like, wow, it's happening again. It's like, this might actually... Until the drop in New Orleans, it was like this might actually like happen. Like it's conceivable. So uh and then obviously the Carson Wentz element of all that, like could be a little bit different. Who knows? Dwayne Haskins getting forced in Washington, like that mm. doesn't happen. There's like a lot of I think Jay Gruden could possibly still have a, a job. I don't think Jay Gruden is a bad coach. Like I just think you know it was a bad situation there. So there's a lot of like interesting things to
1: think about, like if he never gets hurt as bad as he does. So an interesting sort of nfce specific hypothetical within that is so washington finished seven and nine that year uh dallas won the division at 10 and six and they actually won it in week 16 they they played that week 17 game they did play it uh but it was meaningless uh because jason Garrett's a genius uh, and they ended up winning but they won it with nine wins uh but they they really routed washington on thanksgiving that year uh you mentioned um Mark Sanchez and Josh Johnson Colt McCoy started that game for Washington Mm. on Thanksgiving and so again Dallas that they were really peaking and they won five games in a row that nobody thought they would win they went to Atlanta they beat New Orleans on Thursday night football they beat Philly in the overtime game um but say they lose that game right like say say Alex Smith helps them win that game I don't know so now you're dropping Dallas from 10 and 6 to 9 and 7 at least and you're bumping Washington from seven and nine to eight and eight. And so and Washington
0: had already beaten the Cowboys earlier that season so they would have had the tiebreaker if they right. win. Right.
1: And so then you're saying as long as they win one more game, maybe even the Houston game that Alex Smith gets hurt in. I mean, it's it's that it, you don't have to stretch an incredible amount to get to that point. So um, that's interesting. So, okay, fine. Then maybe it is necessary for Washington to release a statement. So good for them um, that they did. But um, but Alex Smith retired. We'll see where he ends up. I know um, who said that Oh, Andy Reid said he at dibs. I'm sure Pete mentioned that on the podcast. Um, on Alex Smith as a potential coach. Washington, BLG cut Bryce Love. Whoa, watch out. How they're going to function now?
0: I think this is a cautionary tale of the injury redshirt pick. I have not been a fan of this really ever since, especially getting burned by with this sydney Jones. Jones.
1: Well, and Jalen Smith kind of. I would say he had a moment that worked out, like a one season that worked out, and other than that, it's been a failure.
0: Well that's I was just gonna say him because he was kind of like the argument against it for a little bit. But even when he was at his best, I would still argue it took him like what a season
1: and a half to get to that point or, or more. His best year was the the year we just talked about that 2018 season, which was his third year in the NFL after because they took him in 2016. But then you're
0: like wasting some of his rookie contract, you know what I mean? Like it's just right. I don't think it's worth it. Like I think I, I think it's a nice idea in your head, and it's worth it if we're talking about, you know, maybe day three pick late round pick but like if you're talking about first or second round pick i think you're overthinking at that point that's just don't do that you're wasting a year of cheap rookie production like i I just don't love that idea i the the guy you would have to believe in that guy to be like you know a very very elite player i think to even be and even then i just don't love the risk so i remember bryce love everyone no pun intended loved him like coming Mm -hmm. into the draft they really liked him and i think washington when they drafted him a lot of people are like oh that's such a smart pick they're gonna stash him away didn't work out. And that's very sad. I'm sad for Bryce Love. I'm not trying to take joy in that, but I think there's a cautionary tale here. And, you know, I think what, they did take him on day three, so the risk wasn't terrible. And So uh, it's not like they made a, a huge mistake, but even so, I just, I really caution against thinking the injury redshirt pick is like this great market inefficiency.
1: I do think also that it's another example, and like I know we're talking about the running back position here, so context within that. um, Mm -hmm. But Washington has not paid, I feel like, enough. They've they've just continually tried to like you know win the lotto at running back uh, because they took Bryce, uh, they took Darius Geis, which did not work Mm. out for very different reasons. Totally not the same thing as Bryce Love. Um, Other than like, who's the best Washington running back as of late? Like, Adrian Peterson. You know what I mean? Like, and, and fine, like you, you took a a lotto pick and free agency of sorts and it kind of worked out for you. But I mean, again, I'm not at all. Well, I guess I am for Washington. Sure. Take one in the first round. Fine. Do that. That would be awesome. But I mean, in a serious sense, you know, just find a legitimate running back. You know, spend the right day three pick on one, and the production will be there. I, I mean, but I I do I'm with you. I hope Bryce Love finds a, a spot somewhere somehow. Um, he was really fun to watch in college, and I mean, it just it sucks that that this ended up happening for him. Um, Washington BLG did not have anyone reportedly at Trey Lance's pro day. Apparently, there was like nobody there. Yeah. I don't know why they even did it. Um, but. Um, they have been mentioned as somebody who could potentially trade out from the 19th overall pick. You and I, actually, the, the inspiration for the NFC's mixtape, mixtape, um, to brag on us for a second, the highest downloaded episode ever in the SB Nation NFL show's history was a special episode of what we called Friday Football Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving. And at the time, we talked about – because. Washington had just destroyed Dallas on Thanksgiving that we both as Cowboys and Eagles fans wanted to see them win the division because we wanted to see that defense stay furthest away from a potential franchise quarterback. And so they are, uh, but they are rumored to be in the running, to be trading up. Maybe it's to four with Atlanta. Maybe it's to six with Miami, which would be hilarious uh, from an Eagles uh, perspective again. Um, But uh, do you think they trade up? Uh,
0: I think it's going to, I'm gonna say they do yeah and here's why because they have to like what are they gonna do like fitzpatrick right yeah like i mean how long are you gonna have this defense and like how long are you gonna wait as a new head coach like so what do they do this year if they don't get a quarterback you know they they run it with ryan fitzpatrick he's probably up and down they finish let's say i don't know like nine and eight <laughs> i had to do the math there uh ten and seven whatever and then what like then what from there you know resign Patrick Fitzpatrick again I don't know probably not so like I feel like they have to do something at quarterback if it's not round one and what do we just talk about on the Monday Football Monday show RJ doesn't make sense to take quarterback on day two in general like that like either love the guy you're so like convinced you have to have him or you don't you just feel like kind of whatever about him um so I feel like they're gonna have to do quarterback at some point. Why not make an aggressive move now? You know, obviously if they're getting outbid and if the right guy isn't available, and that's tough because, you know, we're seeing probably quarterbacks go one, two, three. So at best, they're realistically trading up for guy number four. Um, but I think Trey Lance probably makes the most sense for them, right? Like in their time frame because he's really young. He's coming out of a very inexperienced, like the, if you look at the number of pass attempts he has compared to the other top quarterbacks, like it's just crazy. Like he, it's not like they, they didn't pass the ball a ton, relatively, at uh, North Dakota State. And again, that's Division One FCS. That's not even, like, we're talking about Mac Jones has a limited sample size, sure. But he's playing in the SEC. Like, there's a big difference there. So uh, I think Lance could make the most sense in terms of a guy you sit, if you're looking to do that, sit behind Fitzpatrick, or maybe even take over in the year if Fitzpatrick really struggles or if Lance, you know, really just impresses and dazzles. I mean, he 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 could be the guy who's worth it to trade up for.
1: I think my worst fear is that Mac Jones goes to San Francisco, um, which would suck. It'd be hilarious in one sense, but, and that Justin Fields falls, that would be the the terror. And especially like yeah. some, some mocks have him go like fall into like nine where Denver is. Um, if he's fallen that low and the price is is even lower for Washington to trade up. I mean, because again, like the, the most criminal thing to waste, and certainly every Cowboys fan can vouch for this in the NFL is a cheap, you know, quarterback right a, a rookie contract quarterback especially like a fourth round you know whatever um and so but the second most criminal thing to waste is a cheap elite pass rusher which is what washington has now in chase young and so like the clock is ticking on on when they're gonna have to pay him because that that more we're gonna blink and we're gonna be at that point and so yeah like and uh, if, if there is anything in the nfl that is not sustainable year to year it's like solid defensive production right like how how often every year does the like previous defense you know ballers or or like overall units like regress that's just the way it works it's the hardest thing to sustain and so yeah like I think we both agree that Washington's defense should be at the very least solid this coming year but I mean that's not sustainable even now let alone into 2022 like you know you have the time is now so I really hope they don't I hope they just sit and they take whoever and, you know, I hope they reach. We we talked on Monday Football Monday. Maybe some team's going to take Kellen Mond. Take Kellen Mond at 19. You know what I mean? Whatever. Uh, but, I mean, th- they're, they could swing this whole division the most, I think, with what they decide to do just because of the overall talent on their roster.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, my biggest fear before they signed Fitzpatrick was they were going to trade for Watson. Like, I was just like, it's over. Right. The division's <laughs> over. It's division is over. I'm sorry. Like, yeah. Cowboys fans, you think you can – like. If they get, I mean, obviously, you know, this is way before, you know, anything, what's going on with Deshaun now happened. Let's putting that aside. Like if they got him and he was able to play, it wasn't suspended. Obviously like that would just be a nightmare. (laughs) Like That would be terrible because I think like, you know, obviously you're talking about like top five kind of quarterback with a top five, top one, potentially defense. And that's just a very, very scary combo. So thankfully looks like that's not going to happen. Um, uh, They're going in a different direction. uh, Even before the Watson stuff came out but uh yeah they're they're really an interesting team to think about just because like you like I, I like the roster a lot and it's really just comes down to figuring out the quarterback situation and right now it feels like like we're in a spot where they're not there so we're almost like unthreatened by them ultimately like in the in the greater scheme of things but if they find that move it's like oh man not good
1: i know um bet online's win total projection for them eight and a half over or under
0: i'm gonna say over i like fitzpatrick i am a fan i think he just pairing with that strong like that defense is a great pairing for him because fitzpatrick's up and down he's gonna throw picks it's gonna happen but he's also gonna be aggressive and make some big plays and i think the defense is going to make big plays of their own to kind of mitigate the turnovers he makes
1: that's fair i think it's so hard I, I realize this is bold, but it's so hard to replicate the formula of elite defense and like manageable quarterback. I I do think, uh, and this is, I guess, uh, geographically topical. He could be like the Trent Dilfer to this elite defense, you know, like what, what Trent Dilfer was to the 2000 Ravens. He really could be that. Last point on
0: Washington for me is, do you think it can be argued that if you're combining like head coach and quarterback into one oh, category, I've
1: heard, I've heard this before. Okay. Did
0: I tell you, did I ask you this before? You,
1: no, no, you didn't. You didn't ask me this, but I heard you say this to, to stats on the podcast, cast, but don't okay. you think so, piss off every Cowboys fan right now? Go ahead.
0: If, if you combine, like, let's say you give a head coach a score and a quarterback a score and you combine them together. Do you think the combined score from that could be the best in the division in Washington?
1: No because I think you're underselling Mike McCarthy. Like I and I I don't say that like as like standing Mike McCarthy, but I mean, Ron what 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 is the last like elite coaching job that Ron Rivera has done? And like I and like I don't look, personal accomplishments aside because what Ron Rivera yeah, did yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as a, as a human course. being last year is incredibly impressive. Um, right. And and he navigated a lot as a as a head coach that like most teams don't ever have to navigate with the the name change and and all sorts of stuff happening. And and even like overseeing the Alex Smith thing last year, whatever. Um, But I mean, like he was not a great coach down the stretch in Carolina, which is why he was fired. He, he, he merely was the, the tallest person in the NFC East last year, which was not a difficult thing to be especially in a season that the Eagles are ravaged by injuries and like mentally broke their own franchise quarterback. And that deck, not only Dak Prescott got hurt, but the Cowboys top two tackles got hurt and, and the giants, you know, the mole in that organization is Jason Garrett completely, you know, destroying that offense. Like it was not hard to be great among them. They won it with a below 500 record, which was aided by the Eagles throwing the final game of the regular season. You know, like, so, I, again, I'm not trying to say he's like a bottom five coach or anything in the NFL. Uh, I just, it was not like this incredibly impressive achievement. And again, while I re- acknowledge it was now over a decade ago, Mike McCarthy has won a Super Bowl. Like we can't completely, you know, treat him as this like buffoon. Right. And I say that even though about a month ago, he accidentally revealed that one of his own players was retiring during his first press conference back in front of Cowboys media. So that is what it is. But I do think while there were some questionable things that Mike McCarthy did in 2020, a lot. And in fact, he, there was a lot of hubris to what he did. Hiring Mike Nolan at, at, at one point early in the season with the offensive line injuries, people suggested moving Zach Martin out to right tackle. He said, well, this isn't fantasy football. You can't just move guys around. And then literally the next week they moved him to right tackle and it worked wonderfully. So there are a, a lot of cons to what Mike McCarthy has done. But there are some serious pros. Um, I know we didn't talk about this specifically, but like one clear example is when he went for two against Atlanta, the decision that like rocked, you know, NFL fans everywhere. There are, mm. he he touted himself as this like analytics god, which he isn't, but there are like things he does that are analytically driven. And you can see that, like there is, there is measurement to that. And so like, I, I don't think, I certainly don't think he's below Ron Rivera in like head coach hierarchy, even at present moment, I think at worst, they're a push. And so Dak, even, even if he was marginally below the difference between Dak and Fitzpatrick puts the Cowboys overall composite score above Washington's.
0: I think you're underrating Rivera. I think the, what they did last year was incredible. When you look at the quarterbacks they're dealing with Dwayne Haskins,
1: not, uh, not even, I mean, again, he like, (laughs) What was his his greatest accomplishment was beating the Eagles, right? Like in week one, Dwayne Haskins, which was not like a high bar to clear. Like that was a, like everything they did was aided and abetted more by like the residual, you know, variable. In this case, the Eagles game, you know, like the, what, what did they do that was impressively done of their own accord besides draft Chase Young? That was it. Like that was the most sound thing they did last year.
0: I think Rivera brings a level of stability to that organization. I said this upon when they hired him that they they really haven't had in some time. And obviously, sure, he that's sweat. totally true. Well, oh, I think that's huge though. I think like, so like maybe for the first time they can actually kind of start sustaining something here instead of it being a total dumpster fire. And now the caveat here is Dan Snyder is still there. So I'm not going to rule out, you know, them becoming a dumpster fire. But I think it seems like from the outside looking in that like, Like, he actually trusts Rivera to kind of run the show and, you know, have it be his operation. Uh, And that's probably what it takes to kind of get Ron Rivera in the building. I don't think he's agreeing to anything otherwise. I think if you're looking for a case against Rivera, though, to go against my own argument, Panthers did have a lot of those years where they kind of just, like, flipped. They were, like, really good one year, and then they were, like, bad the next year. There were a lot of, like, flip-flop kind of seasons. So maybe the consistency isn't there, if that's really attributed to him. I think some of the failings in Carolina were probably a little bit more attributed to personnel and obviously Cam kind of just flaming out, which I don't think is like really Ron's fault ultimately. So kind of comes down to quarterback once again, and if they can figure that out, and it's
1: very much uh, TBA if they can. So here's the thing. TBD, not TBA, Uh, sorry. Do you know who the last two teams were to win their divisions with a below 500 record? Are or Were like the what the Rams or Seahawks? You, or you've got you've got Washington this past year, that's one of the previous two, obviously. So the yeah. one before that, the Seahawks, right? It no, it's not the Seahawks. So the Seahawks, uh, were the one before that in 2010, they were seven and nine, um, and they they won the NFC West, and then they obviously beat the Saints in the wild card round, the Beast Quake, and everything. And interestingly enough, beat the defending Super Bowl champions of all teams in the playoffs, but uh, the next year. Tim Tebow's Denver Broncos were not below 500, but they were 500 precisely. They were eight and eight. Uh, and then they beat the Pittsburgh Steelers with the great Demarius Thomas play. The last team before Ron Rivera's Washington football team won the NFC East with a below 500 record to win a division with a below 500 record was Ron Rivera's Panthers. 2014 Carolina Panthers. And I don't even remember who the quarterback was. They beat the Arizona Cardinals in the wild card round, but I think John Skelton, was the starting quarterback in that game. It was It was somebody really low quality. So it, it wasn't this like impressive achievement. So again, like, and and to be fair, the following year to, to, I guess, this point, the Panthers went 15 and one and smoked the entire NFL and then lost in the Super Bowl. So like he has done something impressive. But my overall point here is that like, His he is literally among the luckiest head coaches in NFL history in that he has won two divisions because like to win a division at seven and nine is not something you did. It's it's that you were the best of the worst. And he has been in situations twice in the last eight years to where that was something that he could even be able to accomplish.
0: All right, so you're delusional about the Cowboys once again.
1: Uh, Ryan (laughs) Lindley is the name you were looking for. God, that's even worse than John Skelton. I mean, you know, but so... I will say that Washington made two roster moves that do scare me, and they're on the same level as Adoree Jackson, Curtis Samuel, which is is terrifying. Certainly, especially in in the same offense as Terry McLaurin, and I think the William Jackson the third signing is not talked about enough because that defense Agreed. is already really good. And I love when teams like add to a strength. And obviously, that defense was obviously great, but whatever. Uh, still, the, my whole point is like you're really underrating. You know, the combination of like like Dak Prescott is arguably a top five quarterback. Right. Like maybe you think he's number six or seven, whatever. But like, even if Mike McCarthy is like the 16th best head coach in the NFL, you know, he is significantly higher on that list than Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback list, which is the point. All right.
0: We disagree. It's fine.
1: Uh, anyway, uh, so this was the flagship, or not flagship, the first inaugural flight of uh, the NFC's mixtape. Again, you can hear us every week here on the Blog of the Boys podcast feed on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. Uh, you can check out Brandon obviously all the time at BleedingGreenNation.com. On BGN Radio, you can see me at BlogOfTheBoys.com. On the Blog of the Boys podcast feed on our YouTube channel, all sorts of stuff. BLG. Any closing thoughts?
0: Uh, a lot of draft coverage coming up for the SB Nation NFL show having a draft show, so check that out as well. And if you like this show, leave a rating review. Uh, give us some feedback. Give us a little hashtag NFC East mixtape on Twitter. Let us know if you like it, you hate it. Uh, we'll be here either way.
1: That's right. Next week, uh, I think the plan is to rope in uh, the aforementioned Ed Valentine to get, you know, the Giants perspective as we head into the draft because the Cowboys, Giants, and Eagles pick back to back to back. We'll get all three of us in the same room on the same call to talk about who we think it's going to be. Good times are ahead. Everybody, have a great week. We'll talk to you next time. This was the NFC East Mixtape. (laughs) Nice.